Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Connecting with Can, a podcast dedicated to sharing Kuwaitian Network's experiences on working with migrant workers. I'm your host, The Hedge Racy. On today's podcast, we have Jeff and a new member, Miriam, and we'll be talking about capacity building, how to organize a not-for-profit. So hi, Miriam. It's nice to see you here. Could you please just introduce yourself? Hey, Sahad. My name is Maryam Al-Saad. I'm the research coordinator at CAN. Um, I've been working with CAN since February of this year. And um, yeah, I'm uh, happy to join the podcast today. Fantastic. It's so nice to have you here. So today we're going to be talking about how to organize a not-for-profit. And sort of the first idea I want to go with are what are some general challenges associated with building and organizing a not-for-profit organization that affects most not-for-profits, if not all of them? I think one of the most difficult uh, things that um, that we've been dealing with is um, essentially getting um, multiple stakeholders or m- multiple agents within um, within society to, to collaborate with us and to work with us um, in a way that serves everybody's interests. Um, I think it's uh, it's really difficult when you um you're in a business where you know you're not making money it's not very clear what your motives are for doing this type of work and so everybody's kind of um you know everybody has their own uh goals and their own um organizational uh, targets that they want to meet or like the kind of uh, work that they want to do and so when you're trying to work with other people it's not always uh it's not always easy and it's um it's very challenging work, and so the past kind of uh, the past few months that I've been working with Can has been very educational in terms of um, uh, understanding the dynamics of uh, not-for-profit work, understanding understanding the dynamics of uh, social work and humanitarian work, um, and uh, some of the other challenges is um, you know getting funding and and um, working with. Um, trying to get funding from um, organizations or from government, um, it's extremely difficult um, to kind of uh, to get people to be invested in this kind of work um, just because of how, um, you know, how, the, the costs associated with it and the, uh, the amount of work that goes into it. It's, um, yeah, it is challenging. So that's, that's another aspect. Yeah, and I would just echo, like, uh, Miriam's, like, uh, you know, uh, the, about like one of the challenges of, of dealing with stakeholders. I mean, getting people either to work with us, for us, or for us to work for them is always been a challenge. I mean, Kuwait is a very small country with a very limited number of organizations. Um, so it makes, it's very difficult if you don't have a good relationship with an organization or you, there isn't an organization that actually does some of the things that you need to, you know, fulfill your objectives. Um, this this can be quite uh, challenging in terms of you know getting things done that you need to do, um, and and like like Maram said, I mean funding wise, I mean there is limited funding to begin with, and a very small number of funders in Kuwait, um, and all uh, organizations are applying for this funding. So you know there's a lot of competition to to get get this funding, and I mean migrant workers are. Vulnerable migrant workers are not a priority of government funding or uh, private sector funding. Um, these are not priorities. So it's there's there's such a small number of, of funds that uh, you know it, people don't get along uh, when it comes to sharing this funding. Yeah, and I mean honestly, some of the stuff that I've noticed just working for Canis is like not even just Can, but in general, like researching not for profits and looking is that there's so much pressure on not for profits to try and get funding from stakeholders or the government, and there's so much 
pressure and trying to help everyone where obviously that's something that is not very feasible or possible. And it's so difficult trying to deal with this pressure all while trying to provide help and dealing with financial issues at the same time. It's such a difficult process to go through and applying for funding and writing proposals and meeting with stakeholders and all of that jazz, trying to do all that while trying to help at the same time is such a difficult process that we all have to endure. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think one thing that uh, that's really, really important that we've done is develop a business plan. I think this is actually the one thing that's uh, really helped strengthen what we're doing to organize our nonprofit is actually having specific goals, a specific vision, a specific set of objectives. And I mean, because like you said, there's so many people to help and so many different things to do. Uh, without clearly defined objectives and goals, it, it's very difficult to actually succeed at any one thing. Um, so, I mean, having treating the nonprofit like a business, which which it is, uh, is is really, really important. Uh, and to look at profit and loss, where you can make money. Um, if you don't do these things, it's much more difficult to organize, uh, like, you know, your time. And so in comparison to Kuwait, what are some of the social and cultural differences in terms of challenges that you can see that might not apply to Mm, like Western organizations or European organizations that are particularly pertain to like the Gulf region and Kuwait? I think there's a, there's a massive difference. Um, I, I studied and I, um, I did some work in, um, in Western, in a Western society previously and doing, doing that kind of work here, I can see there's a massive, massive difference. there is no work culture in Kuwait. Like the work culture is very, um, it's very weak, I think, because people kind of um, have subsidized, um, everything's subsidized. They have supported government jobs, um, very secure jobs as well. Um, and so there isn't like, um, there isn't really a hustle. There isn't really people that are um, struggling to, um, you know, like people don't think of a job as something that they need to sustain themselves. They think of it as a job as something like, um, you know, it's my government right to have one and the government should provide it for me. And that has kind of created a culture of like, um, and it's like many, many years that this has been happening. It's created a culture of just a dependence. And so when it comes to the actual work, there is really very little work ethic that is put into uh, whatever kind of, you know, jobs people do. And this um, is, is very dangerous territory when it comes to humanitarian work or when it comes to like um, not-for-profit work um, or just like giving aid because like it's um, it's something that's done to help people. And then when you look at it from like, when you turn it into like a, like an actual job that you do, if you're good at it, um, there's people that depend on you for this kind of work. There's There's projects that if you do successful, can help a lot of people. And if you don't do, you know, very well, it's gonna, it's not gonna help anybody. Um, and so, um, to come into that kind of um, position, it, you you need to have, um, you need to be able to to actually do the work. You need to be able to do the work on the ground. Uh, to 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 actually do what you say, do what you say you're gonna do, and to um. Um, to really put everything into it and like you can't do it half um, like there there are no half measures when it comes to, to humanitarian aid or not profit work because it's um, um, most of it has to do with so- social work for example um, and so uh, when it comes to Kuwait 
it's very difficult to kind of look at examples where people have successfully um, created um, NGOs or like, and I'm talking like uh, not not on the government level. I'm talking on like um, smaller levels um, where people have created NGOs that have sustained themselves for a long period of time that have had um, like many members. And I'm talking like more than five people that have had, um, you know, successful projects that have had, um, that have helped a lot of people very well that have, um, um, you know, met all their goals and, and aren't running themselves into the ground or running in complete chaos. And so when you don't have, um, when you don't have uh, boundaries or when you don't have rules for this kind of work, um, when you don't have people with ethics for this kind of work, it, it becomes extremely difficult for there to be any kind of, um, uh, like actual organizational structure. Um, and so it's, it, that makes it difficult for people trying to access this help because it's like, where, where do they go? Who do they, like, it's, 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 um, it's not very easy. It's not very clear who the people that can help them are um, because some of these people are doing it like uh, on the side. Some of these people are doing it just to kind of um, get a name for themselves as activists or as people that are, you know, um, uh, uh, like they're going to add this to their um, list of accolades, for example. Um, and so, yeah, these are some of the, the things that I think um, are, um, that make things difficult here in Kuwait. Is that there's a very kind of uh, culture of, um, you know, uh, we don't need to work. And so it makes everything kind of, um, it makes everything stop. And then the communities that are struggling, that are actually like fighting every day for their lives, that are trying to secure, you know, like uh, their wages by the day, um, and actually do need the help like they are not getting the help that they need because of this issue yeah i mean i i Mariam said it better than i could i mean the I, I think the one thing i would just like highlight is just this the the issue of ethics like a lack of ethic understanding of uh you know what humanitarian work is what non nonprofit work should look like what kind of values should be had by stakeholders and i mean in Kuwait Aid Network's experience, we've had all kinds of really challenging situations where, you know, uh, people's expectations of how the money would be used that we take for donations or what was expected of, uh, you know, stakeholders who donated to camp, what was expected of them to implement projects. All these things have been extremely challenging because like what Miriam said is there are very low expectations for work. There are very low expectations for uh, transparency and how you do things. Uh, people's motivations are are highly suspect in general. And it's a very small country. So, I mean, one of the things, this happens in all countries, but I think because the country is so small, it amplifies these problems and challenges. I think that would be, I think, I think the small country dynamic has a huge part to play in amplifying like lack of ethics or like problems with work culture. Yeah. And just to add on to that, like the issue of there not being any work ethic or work ethic wanting or work ethic being only for like recognition like Miriam said and like you said Jeff it doesn't provide the actual help that's needed and you know the government and other organizations they are only uh what's the word I guess centered on their own work and they don't they don't provide the help either and there's the issue of like trying to retain employees and volunteers because of poor work ethic and trying to figure out how to help these people and that just ends up not happening and because Kuwait is such a small region and because it's sort of been on the on the big screen I guess for so many years regarding their work ethic and regarding 
their inability to help or just just discrimination towards migrant workers in general, this sort of issue is shown to the limelight and is exasperated a lot. And it, there needs to be something done about it, but it, it defeats the original purpose of why these organizations were made in the first place. So as, as an up-and-coming grassroots organization, having worked in this sort of field for two years now, how have you worked through some of the challenges that we discussed through today's? Like, did you develop policies? Have you worked around barriers? What sort of um, solutions have you come up with when trying to deal with these challenges? Um, I think the, really the only thing that, that um, you can do is just work through it. Like, there is no... Um, if you stop working, then the work stops, you know? Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no other way around it. Um, so you have to kind of keep pushing and keep... Um, um uh trying whether that's you know in attempts to work with um different people whether that's in attempts to um get um funding or just um um work on different projects like you always just have to keep pushing because this kind of work is important and when you actually do give um um like um when you do give the aid or when you do give support um and when you contribute to helping vulnerable communities and see how much of an actual difference that makes, um, that's where you think this is exactly why uh, we should be doing this. It's because of these people. It's because whatever little that you give them, it's still something that could help them massively improve their quality of life. And so uh, the challenges are massive and they exist and, and we've been dealing with them. But I think um, just, just, uh, just pushing through and just focusing on what we actually can do versus the difficulties that's the only way that you can actually um do something because in this kind of like um in in you know this microclimate that we're in um like the socioeconomic bubble that you know suffocates every every um you know uh, everybody and and then the you know the difficulty in in actually giving um and actually getting results from the work that you're doing um, the one thing that we're trying to focus on, and I think, you know, um, CAN is really good at, is just um, um, uh, having that, um, I, I don't like using the word positive, <laughs> but having that positive outlook on, okay, so, you know, this didn't work out, um, that's fine, we just leave it and move on, um, on to the next thing where we can help other people. Um, and so I think just persevering, is, is the most important thing. Um, and it's been the most important thing for us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I think uh, Miriam hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's really about just persistence. Um, and I mean, for every successful story we have, we probably have 15 to 20 failures. And that's part of the, it's a numbers game. It's like being a telemarketer where you call a number and the person hangs up and you call the next number and that person hangs up. It's just like a numbers game. So, I mean, if you look at it from a rational, logical perspective, there is no reason to be doing this type of work. Um, it is extremely difficult uphill battle that is constant. There are constant challenges in funding, working with other stakeholders because of, like as Miriam said, the microclimate. And, you know, the, 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 the issue is more a force of will than anything else. It's just keep going, keep doing projects, keep planning, use the funding you have uh, smartly um and plan and aim to get more funding don't be discouraged when you know organizations don't want to work with you or partners uh, decide to leave or any of these types of things 
I mean, that's just part of the business. And this happens to us on a weekly basis. This is a, it is a very up and down uh, process. And it's very, very challenging emotionally and physically. Um, but frankly speaking, like Miriam said, it's all about the people we're helping. So, you know, uh, when we have eight operations that we're doing, that is kind of what reminds of, of, of to, to put aside our own, like, you know, negative uh, views or pessimism over the, the general situation is just the people we're actually helping. And when you see the difference, the smile on their face, the look in their eye, um, that that's actually like, not to sound like uh, very melodramatic, but that's actually what makes it work. Um, if it wasn't for those, those connections, uh, uh, this would not be worth doing. Um, it's just too much work. Well, thank you so much for today. And thank you so much for your insights on how to organize a not-for-profit. Um, I'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode of Connecting with Can. We hope you're having a wonderful day and we'll see you next week. Stay connected.